Uh, we have been going through a series through the book of Colossians. If you've been with us, if you're new, that's where we've been. We're all the way toward the end of the book in chapter 4. We've talked about the doctrine in chapters 1 and 2, and we've seen what's true about God, what's true about us, what's true about the world. And then Paul starts talking about, well, since these things are true, this is how you have to live. And this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And so he's been talking about that in chapters 3, and now we're in chapter 4. Last week, we talked about prayer in this little verse that says, devote yourselves to prayer being what? Watchful and thankful. We're going to to get that one down. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. And so we want to be people who are devoted to prayer. We're persevering in prayer and we're watchful and thankful thankful. We're always looking to see where God is moving so we can join him in the work. We're looking to see where he's answering prayers and that will raise our faith so that we'll actually ask him for things. And the book of James says we don't have because we don't ask. I wonder how many gifts are sitting in heaven waiting in the storehouse waiting for God's people just to say, Lord, would you please? After he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, he says too, he meaning Paul says this, and pray for us too, he and his other traveling companions, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is for which I am in change. That's why he's in jail, because he's been talking about another Lord, not Caesar, but Jesus. And so he's been put in jail. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And he goes on to say this, be wise. Hey, you Colossians. Hey, you Chicoans. Hey, you people online. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, those who don't follow Jesus yet. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. As Jesus followers, we're supposed to be ready to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you, that's a little bit scary. And this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. Sharing your faith and being bold. And, well, I could stand up here and just give you a beautiful sermon, or I don't know if beautiful is the word, but I could give a sermon, but it's way more fun. It's funner if, if you could hear stories. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Now, William, come on up here. This is William. And um, grab that microphone right there, flip it on. Uh, I wanted you to see what he looks like before I show this video so you know what he looks like. And William, I have to I make a confession to you. I have one thing I'm afraid of in this life. Do you want to know what it is? Please. Mispronouncing names. And so I was working for the last 24 hours sweating, trying to understand how to pronounce your last name correctly, but I am not bold enough to try. And so can you tell us, William, what is your last name? Try. You should try. Why, um... Yes. I didn't have a coach like him at home when I was trying to remember. How, how did he say it? I was watching his lips. Anyway, um, sometimes he goes by Genesis. Now tell us about the difference between names. William is your given name, right? Yes. And then Genesis? Genesis was given to me by my grandma. Your grandma. Yeah. Great. So um, just to give you a little taste of Africa... 
because William hails from Uganda. Let's watch just like a one-minute video he put together to give a little taste of some of the ministry that he does and what it looks like back there. Just a little taste, just to give you, give you a little bit of understanding. So, uh, I'm going to kind of guide this conversation because we're going to try to cover a lot of ground in a very short period of time. So, put your listening ears on because uh, it'll go fast. So, you're from Uganda. You have six siblings. Yes. You are the middle of seven, and you yes. are the only one who said, I'm going to do what my parents did, and that was serve the Lord in ministry. And so you decided YWAM was what you wanted to join. Your mom started the base in YWAM in that area. So tell us briefly, you got on a bus and you said, I'm just going to go to the base. I'm going to do YWAM. Tell us how God provided for you. Well, so out of six, um, I'm in the mid, I'm the sandwich. Uh, yeah. And my parents are missionaries, but they can't even afford to pay for our school fees and go to school. So we are struggling. And so my siblings don't want anything to do with ministry or being in missions because of how they're seeing how my parents are struggling, how our parents are struggling to just take us to school. And they're like, why don't you just stop doing what you're doing and go get a job? Go get a job so we can go to school. We can be like other kids. That's what my other brothers, that's what they wanted. And same to me. I was like that. And so after my high school, there was no money for me to go to the university. And I was seated there, and I felt the Lord say, come work for me. And I said, God. <laughs> well, the invitation was there, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I went and told my parents that I want to join missions. I want to start doing missions. And my mom goes, oh, we're going to pray about it. And so they go and pray about it, and they come back, and they say, well, we prayed about it, and if you're going, the moment you step out of this house, you're on your own. Yes. No food, nothing. We can give you any money, nothing. You're on your own. If God called you, he's going to be the one to provide for you. And so he's from, the moment you step out of here, he's your father, he's your everything. Look to him. And so I woke up this morning. I woke up in the morning and I wanted to go. Uh, to the Y1 base, and I had no money because they never gave me anything. So I, I got angry because I felt like they said, oh, we cannot, we cannot help you and, you know, things like that. So I was angry. So I walked with anger, you know, just getting out saying, okay, I've packed my bags and I'm going to the Y1 base. And I had no money, nothing at all. I go and bought a bus and head to Arua to go and do a DTS, which is like about, from where I was, was about 14 hours. With no money, I bought it. So when I reach in the bus and we've gone for a couple of hours, I come back to my sense, I'm like, I'm in the bus. I don't have any money. And the, the, the conductor, so we have conductors, the, con the, the one who collects money. So the conductor goes, is collecting money and I say, I'll give you the money when we arrive in Arua. And because sometimes they drop you on the way, they don't drop you where you're supposed to drop. So I use that, you know, as an excuse. I'll give you the money when I reach. And so we arrive, and we're about to arrive, and I don't have the money. And the person seated next to me 
he's paying the money and he's getting out. And as he goes out, he says, oh, they're giving him his balance. He says, no, the balance is his. It's for that guy. Eh? And that's how I got to the Y1 base. That's right. And when you got there, you didn't have any money for outreach, but the Lord provided all the money for outreach. Yes, he did. And so the Lord just kept providing. Why? Because this is what God does. He provides for us. You might think, well, that was presumption for William to get on the bus to trust God like that. In America, we call it presumption. In the rest of the world, we call it faith. <laughs> just let that stretch your paradigm just a little bit. So you join YWAM and a DTS, which is a discipleship training school. And there are some YWAMers about. If you're a YWAMer, raise your hand. Yep, 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 yep. That's right. We love you guys. You, you are close to our hearts. Um, in the midst of YWAM, you go to school and then you go on outreach after you do your classroom learning time. And so they said, William, we think you should go where for outreach? South Sudan. South Sudan. Now, for those of you who don't understand geopolitical realities, South Sudan is like a death sentence. I mean, they had to, you had to ask your family if it was okay. You yes. had to pray to make sure this was what God wanted. Yes. And you said, this is what we're doing. So much, a lot of war, a lot of difficulty. So you get to South Sudan, and we saw some holes in the ground on the video. Do you see that hole in the ground? And you wondered, what that, what's that hole? What are holes in the ground in South Sudan for? All right. So I'm getting to South Sudan, and I'm, 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 I'm just a student by then. But I felt like God calling me into missions, I felt like it was almost like a test. Because you know, I'm like a baby. You know, I'm, I'm a student by then, and, and they are asking me, my leaders asking me that we've been praying, and God has been showing us that we should go with you to South Sudan. This was 2016 in September, and war broke out on that time. Just, just two weeks that the war broke out, and so the people are moving out of South Sudan. God is telling us to go into South Sudan, and they are throwing bombs everywhere. And so I had to call my parents, you know, and tell them, this is what's happening. And they say, we told you. But one of the reasons that our leaders were also, also, was also telling me that I should pray about it and, you know, seek God was because when I go to such a place, when these things are happening, they're throwing bombs. And one of the things we were doing, we we're rescuing kids. So those holes you saw is where we throw the kids. Because when the bombs come, they, uh, you know, splash and so we throw the kids in those holes. And, and, and so going there in such a place, you need to hear from God. Because you're not going to cry to your leader, hey, you're the one who brought me here. No, you're not the person who called you. So you turn to God and cry to him and say, hey, God, it's you who brought me here. You have to save me. And, and we're here and we are doing this. And we think that God has called us to this place to do this. This is what happens. Amidst everything that we are doing, we ran into rebels. And it's a convoy of more than 100 people holding machine guns and all bombs and all kinds of things. And, and they surround us and they say, what are you doing here? Their leader goes, what are you doing here? 
why are you here? And we, you know, so the, we have an interpreter, someone interpreting for us because they speak Arabic in South Sudan. And so they just have to interpret for us. And we just, just out of breath. We were peeing in our pants. Yeah, you can laugh. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But it was that bad. Because we felt, you know, inside me, I felt like that was my last time on earth. Yeah. How many rebels surrounded you at that point? There were more than 100. More than 100. How many of you on your team? Nine people. Nine. 100 people with guns, nine people with Jesus, and that's it. That's it. So the, the rebel comes to you and says, what? He says, oh. So this is what he says. I hear you guys are Christians. He says, yes. Oh, I hear your God does miracles. Yes? He says, I want a miracle right now or else I kill you all. That's why they were peeing their pants. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't stop. And so, in that confusion, we don't know what happens and I don't know what happened, but I speak figure be issum Yeshua, which means there's power in the name of Jesus. Which language am I speaking in? Arabic, that I don't know. I say, figure be isum Yeshua. I am confused. I don't know what I'm speaking. But I'm saying there is power in the name of Jesus. And the rebel goes on his knees. Boom. And he raises up his hands. And he says, pray for me. Yeah. And so we pray for him. And then not only that, he gets us into his convoy and he drives us five hours to another place where his family is. And he goes, no, I want you to pray for my family. He never gave his life to Jesus. He never. He said, I want you to pray for my family. And so we pray for his family. But they, they, they made a feast for us. And we feasted, we ate. And so amidst this, we don't know what's happening. He goes, he says, oh, I, I, where I come from, there are people, we don't know, we don't have this kind of people. We don't have people like you in where, we, where I come from. So he, we thought he is a rebel of South Sudan. No, he is not a rebel of South Sudan. He is a rebel of North Sudan, another country. He's hijacking us in a country that is not even his. That's what's happening. And so you say, where is that? So he says, oh, no. Where I come from is called the Nuba Mountains. And we've never heard of the Nuba Mountains. And so he says, I, I want to take you there. One whole week, we drive. One whole week, we drive there. Reaching the Nuba Mountains... So this is South Sudan. This is North Sudan now. We're getting into North Sudan. We're entering another territory, another country. But in North Sudan, by then, they were not allowing Christians to go in because it was, the, the, the president was Omar al-Bashir, and no Christians, no missionaries could go in. Actually, it was even worse for the Americans who would go in. They, they, they had started killing them. The, 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 the Y1 base that was, in, was there had already shifted and moved to South Sudan. And now they've moved from South Sudan to Uganda because there is war in, they are being attacked everywhere. 
And so the only way to get into the Nuba Mountains, which is North Sudan, is through the rebels. And that's what God does. So we go through the rebels and go to this place, and we don't know what's happening. So we are there, and a whole village, like lots of villages, tribes, 99 tribes in that area. 99 tribes. And so, I reached out to one of the person and asked him, hey, do you know Jesus? He says, no, what do you mean? No, we don't have that name. So back home, we have tribes. And our tribes, our names go according to the tribe. When you say my name, they will say, oh, that's from this tribe. He's from this tribe. So the names are according to tribe. So Jesus is not a name in any of the tribes. So we know, we don't have that name. He says, maybe ask the other, you know, if you go across the other side, maybe there's another tribe there, you can ask them. Maybe they have that name. But no, we don't have that name. And then I asked the person, do you know Coca-Cola? He says, do you have Coca-Cola? <laughs> so they are on a mission to share the love of Jesus with these people. And only the Lord would use a rebel to get you into rebel territory and then open up not only one tribe, but 99 tribes that had never even heard the name of Jesus. And so part of the wisdom that the Lord granted this team was to bring a person from each tribe in, twos and threes at, a same, at the same time, and they would figure out a way orally to translate parts of the Bible into an mp3 player and then they would take those mp3 players back to the tribes and they would all gather around and listen to the word of God being read and then wake up the next day and do more and do more and do more. So the point is this, that God knows how to open doors where we can't. God knows how to soften up a heart that you have no access to. He has a way to begin to shift the circumstances so that he will get glory and that people would find out what a loving God he really is. And so William and his team are on this journey, and this was an incredible adventure in South Sudan and North Sudan. He ends up coming back to Uganda. You used a tool called the Jesus Film, and one of the reasons the Jesus Film is so powerful is that the, the whole village will come together and watch the video, which is very helpful when the whole village is watching the video because it gives you opportunity to right some wrongs that were going on. Just give us a little snippet of some of the work that you guys were doing. So when you're watching the video, you saw a lot of eyes without probably faces, right? Because it was dark, they were watching the Jesus film. So that's why you saw a lot of, you know... Like uh, shining pupils, shining, yeah. Shining eyes, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, we have Waiwam Chico. Hands for Waiwam Chico. Let's just give a applause for Waiwam Chico. Yes. So, yeah, so Waiwam Chico, um, I remember the Hanishes were in, in Uganda then, came 2016, 2017. And... Yeah, so I received a Jesus film projector uh, from the Waiwam Chico, and I started using this to go out to the villages and show it to the people, and they would come out 
in numbers, 700 to 1,000 to 2,000 of people coming to watch the Jesus film because they have never watched it. And I remember, you know, and this, this, it's in their own language. And so I remember one of the chiefs asking me, do you mean Jesus speaks my language? He speaks our language? I'm like, what do you mean? He created your language. He speaks is more than you do. And, and, and that he couldn't believe because, you know, all, 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 every time, you know, people only, you know, it's, the Bibles are in English. Uh, Jesus, the, the movie they watch, Jesus is white. So everything, so all they, all they know, Jesus speaks English only. I say, no, he speaks your language. And so I go to the villages, and I was showing the Jesus film, and they come in. And so this is what happened. So one day I'm showing the Jesus film, and a kid comes to me, and a kid is pulling me, and he's saying, hey, uncle, 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 there are kids crying, there are kids crying. Come and help, come and help, there are kids crying. And I don't know why this kid is pulling me, so I pick up my friend, and I say, oh, let's go see what this kid is saying. And we are walking about like 15 minutes away from where the film is. And people are all focused watching the film, and we're hearing voices of kids. The closer we get, the, the, the louder the, the, the voices are. And these were kids that were being sacrificed. And so we get the kids, pick them out, put them on a banana plantation, and tie their mouths so that they don't make, they don't, they don't make noise. And we go back to the Jesus film. And they watch the film, and when the, 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 the movie is about to get done, I pause it, and I begin telling them why Jesus died for them. Why he loved them that much that he would die for them. And then I would say, whoever wants to give his life to Jesus, just raise your hands right now and receive him. And you'll see hands, hundreds, hundreds of hands. And they raise their hands and they give their lives to Jesus. And then we pack our things quickly and run and pick the kids and save the kids like that. And so we used the Jesus film to rescue kids from child sacrifice. It was a tool that we used to do that. That's, that's wisdom right there. That is wisdom. Now, um, there is a ministry with these kids, and that's some of the faces that we saw on the, the screen earlier. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with these kids. Well, so, um, when did COVID come? 20... 2020? 2020. So 2019, 2020, uh, so we were putting these kids in a house that we were renting, and someone gracious said, I'm, I'm willing to pay the rent for that house. And so the person would pay the rent, but then when COVID hit, the person lost um, his job and everything, and he couldn't go on paying rent for that. And so uh, we had to find, come up with a, a plan of, um, you know, f how we can keep these kids. And so my parents, they run a Y1 base on the islands of Lake Victoria. Lake Victoria is the second largest lake in the world, with a population on the islands of 7,000 islands, and over 40 million people live there. Yep. And so my mom pioneered a Y1 base there in the 1989. And it's a small Y1 base. And they, were, they mostly give medical, medical care and immunization to children. And so I told her, and if we could move the kids there. And then she said, you know, with Y1, you have to pay every month, every month, whether you're a staff. 
you have to pay to live there in the Y1 base, and we can pay for all these kids. And so we said, oh, let's make something temporary so that we can put those kids there to live there. And so my, my parents started a, a small uh, project, and they, uh, they just made temporary buildings with mud and grass, and then they put the kids uh, there. So now that's where the kids live now. How many kids are you guys caring for? So the kids that we got from Child Sacrifice were about 22, but now they have about 120 kids. Oh, 120. Just 120. You know, that's... Um, so these are ministries you were doing. You went to Somalia. Somalia is a very difficult place to share the gospel. As it turns out, uh, a lot of the people there that are traditionalists that are doing these child sacrifices, they're using blood to make covenants in order to welcome... Um, power from the, from the dark forces that are very real, um, they weren't very happy about you being there. In fact, you, it's a, it's a, it literally was a miracle that you weren't killed at least one evening. How did God save you? So I have a friend of mine, and I want to mention his name, but I know the Hanishas know him. Mama Jane and Mama Joy. Hey, hello. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they know him. Uh, so my friend is from Somalia, and... Um, we have some missionaries uh, in, in, from here in the U.S. who uh, have been running a Y1 base uh, in Somalia. And so they come to our base and they, they teach on missions and evangelism. Mm -hmm. And they saw me and they gave me an invite. They said, uh, they asked me and my friend and said, if we could go and help for a month, uh, facilitate the, 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 they were doing a ministry there. And... I go, yeah, as long as you pay for my trip and everything, the road, and I will go. So this is, this is end of 2018. And so I go with my friend, and we, we, are, we are in this village, and we are speaking to this family about Jesus, because they welcomed us in, and then a gun just goes on, boom. And then this family says, Run. There was nothing, nothing else. There's nothing else they said. They just said, run. And so we started running into different directions. And there's a, there's a lady that we went with and husband, but they never came back. Yeah. And that, that, that was sad. And I got stabbed. I have um, a scar here. I got stabbed on my thighs. Uh, twice. The first one didn't go in. The second one went in. But I thank God I'm alive. I never died. And so I can just tell you that why should I stop now? That's right. And I remember while running and this guy was just kept on chasing me. I'm actually kind of a little bit big right now. I used to be very tiny. I started going to the gym because of those things that were happening. <laughs> yeah, but those who saw me earlier, back in the days, I was very small. But I started going to the gym because, man, I felt like I was being bullied by the enemy. Because <laughs> uh, you have to be fit. Sometimes we had to be chased with pangas, machetes. You, call, you guys call them machetes. We had to be chased with machetes. And... It, it, it's, it's hard sometimes to share the gospel in the places that we go to to share the gospel. Um, people either hiding away from you or if you find radical Muslims, 
they pick their pangas and just put on the ground and say, let me not see you here. And all you have to do is, um, is run, run. Say, God, give me the strength to run. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I was running, and I don't know what happened, but I ended up in a hospital that I don't know how I got into that hospital. But I know one thing is that God saved me. And, yeah, I'm thankful. He's very, very good. Now, um, I know there was a trip to Colombia that you were planning on taking. There was a bunch of people that put money together, and the visa all got messed up. And so then you lost the ticket. You're in your room. You're crying. You're saying, God, why would you allow this to happen? I thought you were sending me to Colombia to do this missions work. And then you get a phone call. Because, in part because the Lord challenged William, just, William, do you trust me? And so William says, yes, I trust you. And then I think you put some music on and started dancing. Which, by the way, uh, he, he's also noticed in the U.S., we don't dance all that much here. And that perhaps we need to change that. But um, <laughs> so you're, you're, wor- you're worshiping and dancing and you get a phone call. Tell us about this phone call you get. So you've lost the ticket. So I've lost the ticket and... Let me just go back a little bit. So, I was going to Colombia, and I was telling you about the School of Performing Arts, <clears throat> and because I just wanted to help heal some of the, the, the people from South Sudan and these other countries, because I was working in, in war zone places, I was working with people who were traumatized, and so one of the things I wanted was how to heal them, and I realized, you know, the music, the arts, you know, you, we could use that to just bring healing and share the gospel to these people and, uh, and some of these kids that I was working with. And so uh, we put up money together. We raised a lot of money. We tried our best and raised 4,000 US dollars. Woo! First time seeing that money. And it was for my ticket. And a friend says, oh, send the money so I can purchase the ticket. Then I send the money. He purchases the ticket. And he's, I, I go, you know, because I have the ticket. So I go to the airport and I present my ticket and they say, oh, we are sorry, you need a transit visa in the U.S. I need a transit visa because I was stopping in one of the airports in the U.S. to continue and I need a transit visa for the U.S., which I didn't know was my first time getting out of Africa. And so I go back and I'm crying and we wasted all that money. And I'm, I'm like, God, did we make a mistake? Did I not hear you well? Did I not hear you clearly? And I'm crying, and it's three days, and I, I'm just crying. I, like, it's, it's a lot of money that I lost that I've never even seen that amount of money. And I'm crying, and then I hear this voice. It says, William, do you trust me? That's the only thing I had is, William, do you trust me? I stopped crying. I started repenting and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I don't trust you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I put on music and I started dancing and just started dancing and praising the Lord. And I got to bed and around 2 a.m. I receive a call. And the call goes, I need you to just tell me the truth answer these questions truthfully. He says, are you William? I say, yes. Then he says, oh, where are you going? I say, I'm going to Colombia. What are you going to do? I say, I'm going to do school of arts and you know, whatever I'm going to do there. 
And this is what amazes me. He says, God gave me a dream. I never mentioned the word God. He said, I had a dream. And in, your, in the dream, I had your name. I got your phone number. And I got where you are going. And I was told to pay your plane ticket. That's how I got to Colombia. That's right. And um, when you called to thank this man after your trip to Colombia, because that's the right thing to do, what happened? The phone has never been on till today. Yeah, so we don't know exactly how the Lord arranged that, but we know that it was beautiful. So, William, you moved here to Chico in August. Uh, a place where you bake, not boil. You boil in your land with humidity and you bake here. It's very dry. This is his, what he says about Chico. We're, we're baking here during the summertime. Um, you're here to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So this is really kind of like, I'm just going to hand it to you and let you speak to the church. But um, you have been spending every day sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in our city. And I think you will be surprised at what you hear, what kind of response um, the people are, are getting and their hunger level. So share with us kind of what you've experienced since you've been in this crazy land called America. Yeah. Wow. America. I think several times I've been in my room and I pinch myself and say, am I in America for real? <laughs> yeah. So thankful to those two ladies there, Mama Jane and Mama Joy. The Hanish's family and some other people who are not here who all came together and they said we need to bring William here. And they brought me here. I'm so grateful. I love you guys. Yeah, I'm here. But why did God call me here? Is I'm on this journey and I gave my life to God for him. And I like sharing about Jesus with people. Uh, let me say this. this. I, I'm, 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 in, I'm, I'm with this guy called Jareth, and we are moving in town, and then we're just doing street evangelism, and then he, he, he says, oh, let's get into this bank. Chess bank? Chess bank, yeah. So we get to chess bank, and he, go, he, he the bank, yeah. Guys, bank. I my accent yes, is okay. bank. Yes, <laughs> bank. Yes, for those of you who don't understand. Okay. We're going, you're going to Chase Bank. Yes. Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> so I go to Chase, chase bank. bank. Yeah. <laughs> And, and my friend uh, goes to the bathroom, and I'm there standing. I'm, like, confused. I don't know what to do. And then I'm seeing this guy seated, I think, at the lobby, and he's uh, on, with a lot of papers and trying to figure them out. So I walk straight to him and say, hey, man, how are you? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm fine. He said, no, are you really fine? He goes, yeah. And... I just begin asking him, do you know Jesus? And he goes, mm, I've heard of him. 
Yeah. Why are you asking? Because I want to tell you something that he's done for me. You know, people have had stories. People have stories. But there's something that I want to tell you. I also have a story of how the Lord has worked for me and how he has handled my situation and how he's worked with me. And that story is what I'm trying to share with this person. So I began to tell him. And so I, you know, I started asking him about his life and things like that. And he's actually going through a hard time. So he's actually going through a hard time. And I began sharing with him about Jesus and how Jesus has saved me and how he has helped me and how he's provided for me and how he can get him out of the situation that he is in right now. And I tell him, hey, man, do you want to get out of that situation that you're in? He says, yes, I want. He says, there's only one way. Right now, right here, just give your life to Jesus. Repeat these words after me, and those problems are going to go away. In the bank, he knelt down, raised his hands, and he gave his life to Jesus. Yeah. You saw in, one, in the video, even in the markets, People are giving their lives to, the, to Jesus on the street. People are kneeling down and giving their lives to Jesus. No, we are not a joke. God called us to go, and I'm not going to see it. I am going to go. Yeah, I'm not going to see it. I am going to go because at the end of the day, when I go back to my father, all I'm waiting to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. So I, wa- I am going to go. I'm not going to stop. No, I am going to go, and no one is going to stop me. This is what Jesus gave us, what he told us to do before he left. He never said, he never mentioned children, not women, not elderly. He said, go, all, all of you, all of us. He said, go. And I like this saying from Lauren Cunningham. He says that God called us all to be missionaries. Some go overseas some go across the streets. And I'm here in Chico. And I just want to go across the streets. Sometimes I ask people, do you want prayer? And the person goes, no. No. I say, well, no, I don't want prayer. My family is just going through a hard time. Yes, you want prayer. Your family is going through a hard time and you need prayer. And I think we are lacking, you know, we've, God has given us the invitation and has told us, we have like an invitation card. You have invitation cards and you can give these invitation cards to different people. So we have these invitation cards that we have and we all just, we just have to give them out to different people. And I think one of the things we are lacking is just, you know, the bravery, the courage to give out these cards, these invitation cards to other people. I go on the, uh, in the park and this family is seated and they're just you know, enjoying the park with their kids. And I tell them, do you want to come to church? And, and then, and then the, husband, the husband goes, oh, no, I don't go to church. My wife has been telling me to go to church several times. <laughs> yeah. 
Because no one is inviting them. Because we are all seated. I think that we can pass out these invitations wherever we are. We don't have to go to Kenya. We don't have to go to, to Mexico sometimes. We don't have to go, you know. You have a neighbor. Sometimes you're cleaning your yards. I was telling pastor when I, w I went to his place yesterday and there was a lot of leaves. You guys have fall. We don't have fall. We only have two seasons. Rainy season and dry season. That's all. Yeah. And, and, and so I was telling the pastor, all these leaves, I feel like there's a lot of ministry to do here. We could just come and help clean these people's compounds. And in the midst of cleaning those people's compounds, when they come out or peep through the window, they say, hey man, Jesus loves you. He told me to come and clean your house. It's that simple. I think as you're cleaning your yard, your compound, you can clean the neighbor's compound as well. And that's you giving an invitation to that person. But today, before I leave here, I have one invitation for all of you guys. I'm giving an invitation to all of you guys. Why don't we go back this week? And as we come back on Sunday, come with one person to church. Why don't we just all just go out and say, God, God help me. God help me. I just, I want to do this, God. I am afraid. Just accept it if you fear. Just say, God help me. Give me the strategy on how to do this. But I want to do it. I think we can fill up all these chairs. I just so thankful for the pastor here, you know, that because... Every Sunday that we come here, he's just, you know, refueling us. He's refilling us. He's servicing us. He's giving us the service. That's why we call it a Sunday service. It's a garage. Welcome to the garage, everyone. <laughs> the pastor is doing a good job servicing each and every one of us so that we go with strength throughout the week. Back in my church, we say Sunday begins on Monday. Sunday service. So we are serviced by the pastor and Sunday, which is ministry, begins on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we come back on Sunday for service. And the pastor services us. And we go out again. And we come back. And he services us. And we go out again. And we go out again. And again. I think it's time for us to begin dreaming again with God. It's time for us to stand again. It's time for us to say, God, I am sorry that I'm not using the talent that you gave me. But I feel that we have been sitting on our talents. Do you know the richest place on earth? Do you know the richest place on earth? It's not even in Africa. It's the grave. There are dreams that have never been fulfilled that are there in the grave. There are books that were never written. There are songs that were never sung. There are messages that were never passed out. I see a lot of elderly people here. But what are you passing out? No, I was, telling with, I was talking with the pastor yesterday and the word remember was coming to my mind. Remember what I have done. I feel like, you know, 
the elder people, the elderly people here have that word remember. Because of how you've walked with the Lord all those days, the things that God has done, the remember is what you're supposed to pass to us now. The Bible says that tell it to your children, to your children's children, and the generations to come. But what are you telling us? What are you telling us? I think you need to pass that. You know, one of the things I like with YWAM is we're all there, whether you're the director or you're the star or, or your staff, or you all pay staff fee. Everyone has to pay staff fees. Because God called you. And God called me to just go. I'm giving you an invitation. Let us go. You know, I was here last Sunday, and <clears throat> the pastor was appreciating uh, the lady was working on the finance, something like that. And, you know, everyone was here, like, you know, clapping, applauding, and, you know, being thankful, and just, uh, uh, you know, applauding the lady and saying thank you for the work well done. But that's, that, that's what we want to hear from God. That's right. I, I, I like, when I find people working, I always tell them, well done. I always tell them, well done. Because is that something I'm used to? We are used to it, doing the well done, well done. We want to hear more of the well done. I, 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 don't, don't worry about probably sharing if you don't know how to share. It may be you know, about someone, uh, to, I mean to someone about Jesus. But if you give them an invitation to church and just come and whisper to the pastor, hey, pastor, I brought this person and he's not a Christian. I don't know how to share. Yeah. Tell your stories. Tell your stories to people, but we sit in trains, we sit in planes, and all we do is. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we do. It's scroll. And the person next to you doesn't have an invitation. That's right. Man, we don't want to miss the banquet. We don't want that person to miss the banquet. Because when the Savior comes... We are all ready. We have the invitation to go into the, in, into the wedding. I'm giving you an invitation. Jesus already gave us the invitation. Let us all take this invitation. Great. Thank you so much, William, for sharing the today. Why don't you all stand? If you want prayer, prayer folks, if you come down forward, we will be here to pray for you. We would love to pray for you. Um, uh, if you want to come and connect with William, he'll be down here down front. Uh, he would love to meet you and love to pray for you, even if you have a prayer, prayer need as well. So, Lord, we take this challenge to be more bold, to talk about your goodness and your grace, your love, your compassion, your forgiveness, your mercy over us. There's so many stories that we can tell. Let's speak of your goodness and your kindness. Lord, thank you that you're opening doors that no one can shut, that you can arrange circumstances and you can open, open those doors that we fear that are not open at all. And so thank you for the increased boldness. We ask for a gift of your Holy Spirit that would give gifts of boldness to us right now in Jesus' name, that as we go from this place, uh, we would not be afraid to talk about 
who you are, Jesus. So thank you for each person here and those who are watching on the stream. I pray a blessing over this church body in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. We'll see you next week with Advent starting. Woo!